Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0. Oh, review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by the Dudley Boys to review NXT 2.0 and Hamlet. Another week of the best wrestling show of the week. Not <laughs> the park. Uh, I mean, yeah, there was still a lot of chaos to appreciate. I think this was the worst of the episodes so far since the changeover, and I've worked out why. Um, yesterday on the preview of this show, you made the point of saying, you know, we used to complain quite a lot at having nothing to preview on NXT. And now look, we've got a honeymoon. We've got like these new stars in action in pre-advertised matches. We've got three title matches. Um, that's what's wrong about NXT 2.0. I didn't want, there was too many matches on the show that went in that 9, 10, 12 region and not enough that went in the one minute region. There was only, I think, one appearance of somebody I'd never seen before. I want 10 per episode. Is that so much to ask? Like the more they try and sell you on this being good, the worse this show gets is what I've come to realise. Don't present any of this as credible. Don't present any of this as though you're trying because it's neither of those things and it's far more enjoyable when we just see it, when we see it for what it is. Disappointingly straight-laced this episode. <laughs> I agree with my esteemed colleague. Um, look, I got a lot of schadenfreude out of it still, which is the only thing the show has going for it. Um, and yeah, a lot of these matches I'm thinking, like me... 30 seconds into an NXT 2.0 match. Come on, lads, bring it home. <laughs> take it home, take it home. You've, uh, you've got the crowd up at the right time. Come on, bring them home now. Um, yeah, it's a lot of rubbish on the show. It is a rubbish, rubbish, terrible professional wrestling show. Mostly, there are a few unironic, decent bits, um, but that's not the ratio I'm going for, really. I had a great time yet again with this show uh, and we'll get into why in due course I'm sure I'll tell you what like it took a while for the man uh, for the man of the hour the man with the power to arrive on the show and I'm half thinking have they dropped this freaking character and I realised <laughs> later on they hadn't so that I think it was like classical professional wrestling storytelling where the build the build the build the build the build <laughs> and then reaches a crescendo just at the very end and you're thinking ah, I'm gonna go home with a smile on my face Speech. 
that though. Uh, we start out with Hit Row coming out to, to start the show. Uh, ironically, the people who today it's being reported are probably the leading contenders to be drafted to the main roster. Uh, and they come out and say, tonight is all about the ladies. They run down the two uh, women's matches for the titles, the uh, tag titles, and of course, the uh, NXT Women's Championship. They mentioned, of course, there is also a Cruiserweight title match. And Swerve notes that, yeah, he hasn't defended his North American Championship. 90 days, Andy was telling me he's had it now. Still not one title defence. Anyway, BFAB concludes by threatening Electra Lopez. She's just about to have a no-DQ match with her, saying she's going to beat her like she owed her currency. What do you think of this opening promo, Sige? I'm a... 36-year-old white man from Gateshead, England. Word. I really don't think it's up to me to say whether this is cool or not. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was cool. Mm. Like I genuinely thought some of it was lame. <laughs> it didn't get me excited about On a traditional level, like Swerve Scott saying that he hadn't defended his title just made me think, all right, okay, well, you're inept. It's <laughs> not as an organization. It functioned this segment to get you hot on the idea of the resulting match. I don't think it did much of that either. This was welcome everyone to NXT. And unlike the people who get made to say it on Raw, I don't believe that anyone's grown up wanting to say that. <laughs> this was piss poor. Um, like I, I'm the same as Sidri. Like, I don't really feel best place to even comment on the content, but just the very idea of it is an absolute piss take. Uh, it's good developmental because they do need to be trained not to wrestle or not to become stars, but to say welcome to a wrestling show. That's what they need to develop into. So they're getting trained on the things that matter for the main roster. Um, they're draft ready, hit row now, as a result of being able to do a game show opening. But I want this now to be a 2.0 staple where every week, a different character gets to do their own themed version of the show intro running down the card. Can we have Chan Shah like doing their own version <laughs> like, later on tonight? Like maybe the mist gets blown out when it forms one of the graphics for later. Yes. On. <laughs> or, or Bron Breaker comes out and he just smashes a brick. And then behind that brick is the advertisement of Zoe Stark in action. <laughs> so like, that just, like just do this once a week. This is the sh- that they're expected to do when they get to the main roster. It is functioning. <laughs> Like, here we are. Well done, 2.0. You are functioning more effectively as a developmental than five years of Triple H's NXT. <laughs> Good work, lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it led immediately uh, because um, Electra Lopez comes out and interrupts this promo. It led immediately to the uh, no DQ match with BFAB. Uh, immediately, they brawl to the outside. Electra throws uh, Fab into the steps, and then everyone else from Hit Row and Legado del Fantasma, big old brawl to get them chucked out as we come back from the breaks. It's just the two of them. Lots of weapons stuff there, fighting over a table. Uh, Lopez slams that into B Fab's ribs, and then they get kendo sticks involved, wailing on each other with that, and some chairs as well. Chairs, which they took some really rough bumps onto. There was a, a spot where I think it was B-Fab bent uh, Electra Lopez's leg around the chair or, or the other way around, perhaps. And uh, yeah, Lopez actually dropped B-Fab ribs first across an upside down chair. Looked rough as hell that. But regardless, Electra Lopez sit out power bombs, B-Fab and gets the victory. Hamlet, you were concerned. We were all concerned about this match. How did it play out for you? 
Oh, God. It, like, this feels like an appropriate comparison based on our favourite character on the show. But you know that episode of The Simpsons where Bart starts making the cocktails for Fat Tony and then Fat Tony invites his mafioso friend and Bart doesn't show. So one of the other guys does it and the mafioso is like, what have I done to deserve this flat, flavourless Manhattan? That's what I felt like through the, however long, 10 minutes or something. Like, what have I done to deserve this flat, flavourless weapons match? Like, they can't do loads well. So the weapons are in there to hide that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, rough bumps, um, but not in the cool way. Oh, Jesus. Like, can't they just maybe stand on the top rope? I'm sure it won't collapse, and then they can take a rough bump that way instead. <laughs> like, I wasn't drawn into the drama, particularly, of these weapons. I was just watching them, like, you know, bump on the chairs or... Like, that table one was okay, I guess. Like, that, like, beef I've took that quite well. The one on the floor, the way they were, like, it looked like a video game one where you would jam somebody in the ribs with the weapon just to tee them up for hitting them over the head with it. I beef up to that pretty well, but like, I didn't feel the weapon shot. I was just like, oh, God. Like, if they can't perform a two-minute squash effectively, don't throw them out there for 10 with props. Uh, I got now out of this, and speaking strictly analytically, I don't think... Like, let's say this is Hit Row's send-off or the beginning of Hit Row's send-off, you know, like maybe um, that whole thing about the North American title was where you does defend it and he loses it and the, all of them are gone, you know, like, and he puts somebody over in one night. I don't think this put Electra Lopez over as this dominant figure in this ongoing stable war. Like not at all. If anything, especially after the break, when the gang of idiots were just corralled out of the NXT fund dome, um, like this felt completely disconnected from that stable war. And it was just two, two wrestlers practicing a weapons match on television. I, I just none of this connected for me. I mean, it was dire, it was absolutely, <laughs> but it was also at various points mercifully nearing and at the finish, like shockingly not totally incompetent. Mm. Like when I saw the position of <laughs> chairing, I was terrified. I, I, what are you doing? I genuinely got scared. Like the brawling at the start was piss weak, and they just lose you because they don't set the tone. It doesn't really feel like to badass is having a really heated weapons match like the brawling was piss weak um there was a bit on the table where he toiled to actually get the table working uh, to the point where she dropped her leg over the upright bit mm. of metal it took forever to get there and then i got a little bit of actual elusive feeling not the best kind as humble pointed out when i saw the position that chair was put i'm thinking jesus christ you gotta take a bump on that and that bump looked okay a bit gnarly it was more like the, the, the irony was too much to ignore. Like when I saw someone take a wicked bump that looked to be painful, that I was meant to be thinking, oh, that really hurt. I had the complete opposite reaction. I was like, oh, I'm relieved that didn't go more badly wrong than it did. Um, an odd, it's such an odd, dumb thing to do to put performers of this level of experience in a match like this, but they emerged unscathed, which is possibly the nicest thing I can say about it. Uh, we follow that up by catching up with what's going on on Index's honeymoon. Uh, they're frolicking on the beach. And then we realised that Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are spying on them from the balcony of a hotel room. Candice reminds Johnny that uh, certain things happen on a honeymoon. So you want to keep an eye out. And he's just wanting safe, harmless fun. And uh, Indy's coming out of the water looking fantastic. And Dexter likes what he sees. So Gargano takes matters into his own hands and they they run terrified out of the sea. Indy in 
in uh, Dexter's arms. Because there's a shark, but there's a guy going with a shark thing on his head. To be continued. Rubbish. I mean, it's absolutely woeful stuff. It's the first thing they thought of, isn't it? And then just went with it. Yeah, first thing they thought of. Shark in the water, went with it. Um, woeful. He's like, come on, Johnny, he's made an honest man of her. Just let him get his hole at this point. <laughs> and anyway, like, that's not going to stop something, is it? It's going to create something. We all know that if you wear a shark fin in wrestling, you're going to win the 24-7 title. <laughs> um, that's not going to block something. Um, good news came next. Joe Gacy is not cancelled. He was Isn't he the one who does the cancelling. Well, we'll talk about this. You had a very good point when we came in. I'll go through the promo and then come to you because I, I'm, I'm intrigued to, to know just how off first, base this is. Yeah. So he's sitting in the ring. He's talking about how this is still his safe space. He said he made a huge impact last week and he has not been cancelled. Uh, he said he made a bigger impact than stars like Tommaso Ciampa, Roderick Strong, and Brian Brigu. And all he has to do is use his words. He didn't have to throw a single punch. He said he speaks for a generation that nobody understands. The en- other than us, the enlightened ones. Just to stop you there while it's on the top of my head. They can't say normal words because WWE is so mental. They can't say wrestling. It has to be sports entertainment. They can't say... Title shot is opportunity. The title shot is opportunity. They can't say hospital has to be a local medical facility. They can't say walk. So it has to be enlightened. Mm-hmm. Just thought that was funny. Uh, he said, everyone else is in a dark and obsolete world. So there are a lot of triggered faces last week in the locker room, but he's inclusive. He says, not one person can change the world, but he's here to usher in the world to a new normal. And he says, you know what? There's a match next. I don't want to take any much, take too much time up. And he thanked the crowd for their time. Just repeat what you said when you came in this morning about this weird character of theirs. Well, is he getting cancelled or doing the cancelling? Like, what What is this? I, what I love about this, and by that I mean hate, yes. but perversely enjoy, is that Bruce Pritchard doesn't even know what he hates. He just <laughs> knows that he hates it, and Joe Gacy is the on-screen conduit to allow his horrible, awful opinions and thoughts to fester all over this product. That used to be the babyface product. It's been a heel product for a couple of years now, this sort of rank, desperate thing, and now it's mutated into something even more monstrous. Like, what are they doing with this character? (laughs) Initially, it felt like they were presenting this guy to riff on the liberal left. The idea being that... The libs. The libs. They're going to own the libs through Joe Gacy. But the idea is that he's going to play a liberal, and the idea is that that is so detestable to them that he's a heel. But in their completely broken minds, they don't grasp that, that the liberal that they wish to portray as this heel, because he's such a little softy, is the one who wants to cancel people. If they could even do their own hateful bile correctly, (laughs) surely Joe Gacy would be going around the locker room and saying, you need to be censored. Yeah. Or, I need my safe space. I need my safe space away from the, the swear words that you say is the cool guy, Bron Breaker. You shouldn't be swearing or whatever. Isn't it Bron Breaker that should be screaming that Joe Gacy's triggered? Yes. Well, I've got that right the way around, haven't I? Like, it, I But so. they've completely misunderstood that. So he's 
Uh, I didn't mean to trigger anyone with my say. Yeah. What? It's completely <laughs> the wrong way around. You should. <laughs> it's like ah, I was blown away, but I just don't get this at all. If someone could clarify in the Twitter comments underneath the post, what? No one watches it, so why would they? <laughs> <laughs> it's great, man. Honestly, they've just like Bruce Pritchard saying, "You know what we need? You know what I think will make a great heel is an anxious millennial." Get them out there. Yeah. Like, and they, not only do they think this is a good idea as a villain, they can't even do it right. Brilliant. That's like what they've done. You mentioned Hangman Page and the, the idea they've got like a, a heel who's kind of on the edge of things. <clears throat> I think they're trying to do MJF and Hangman Page all at once. Not that hang, not that MJF goes for this low hanging fruit. No. He's cleverer than that. But you know what I mean? Like maybe they've gone for Max Caster and Hangman mm. Page all at once. I, this is like absolutely bizarre. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you by talking about my saves. Like, what? <laughs> I'm just saying, all I, things. I want to know. Things. I, I want to know because he's basically really done the same pattern for two weeks in a row. What's he going to say in like five weeks' time? They've Look. just got like safe space triggered, like you say, their version of woke. He's got the snowflake driver as his finish. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that because. Only the angel is going to have the schmuck driver. So centrist Gacy, is that what this is? I've got absolutely no idea. Yeah. Well, and I, all I know is that it doesn't have anything to do with wrestling, nor to do with itself. Stupid, <laughs> stupid idiots running that company. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we moved on from one-dimensional characters to Zion Quinn, who did a tribal dance before his match and wore a lay. Brilliant. Uh, he was the guy as well who uh, beat someone up last week because they pushed in front of the women, basically. Uh, he fought Oni Lorcan. And, yep, it's a new era in NXT because Oni Lorcan... Dan Lambert and Hangman Page at the same time. Yes, that's a great comparison. Yeah, there we go. What? Oni Lorcan just got battered here. Uh, he got, got some offence in, but then uh, Zion Quinn fired up, headbutts him, uh, nails him with his lariat, Hits him with a Samoan drop and then does some, another sort of dance before nailing him with a flying forearm for the victory. He called this Hamlet in terms of all the old experienced heads are just going to be getting fed to the new guys, aren't they? Yeah, this is a ride I bought the ticket for. Um, only Larkin was one of Triple H's boys. I like him. He's great. Ask Andy Murray about his five-star match with McIntyre. I want this instead. I want a guy who does a fire dance to beat him with a poorly executed forearm because he's four weeks into training. Class. Like, this is, this is, like, this, this, right? I don't know if, like, maybe they're finally figuring out NXT. They're finally figuring out who exactly their demographic are, which is knackered 36-year-old fathers of two that need two-minute squashes with like brightly coloured nonsense taking place because they've got so little time where they're like the kids aren't distracting them or you're so tired in the morning before you got to do the school run whatever it is it's like I don't need 10 minute weapons brawls between wrestlers I don't care about like look at this guy look how high he flies in the air look at look when he does the double bicep pose look how big they are he's that little skinny run he's beating don't care like doesn't matter what he's involved in the past more of this loads more of this also nonsense also like the idea of them saying to only Lorcan He's pretty bland looking in Vince's eyes, of course. Like you say, he's incredibly talented. But if you had to boil yourself down to one thing, what's your one thing? It's like, oh, well, me and Danny Birch, when we're a tag team, we go like hold up number one and number two. You can't hold up the number one. Roman Reigns does that. So we know you associate with him. Just walk out and be bald. <laughs> if the fact that NXT is dead wasn't 
already obvious by the fact that as we speak, Kevin Dunn is holding a technical awake on its behalf. <laughs> this was yet another illustration about your beloved NXT, you performative meme account clout chasing positively trolls is dead. <laughs> This was an, a genuine illustration of the fact that NXT, as you thought it was good for clout, is dead. Oni Lorcan used to have the most awesome squash matches, man. He had a match that we, we've got an ironic appreciation of it because a cult contrarian reviewer gave it five stars when he's given everything Kenny Omega's done like two and three quarters at its best, right? People might know who we're talking about. He gave it five. And it's like, you watch it, it's like, Yes, this was a five-star version of this specific thing. It's, it's cool. Only Lorkin just looks at Lars Sullivan and thinks, well, I'm knackered. I'm not beating him. I'm not beating him. He's an absolute monster. He's a giant. And what I'm going to do is try and kill him as fast as possible. <laughs> Literally the only chance I've got. I can't take him down to the mat. I can't out-wrestle him. I can't like strategically pick him apart. He's a new breed of big man. Like, I can't just run circles around him. I just have to kill him hard and fast. He tries to do it. He's slapping him in the head. It's amazing. And Sullivan wins. This was the most boring squash match you'll ever see because Lorcan <laughs> isn't even allowed and think of how rubbish NXT 2.0 must be. Only Lorcan, the best guy under WWE's employ at making raw, powerful talents look great, yeah. isn't even allowed to do that because it's too exciting for you. <laughs> Uh, we get a little vignette about Grayson Waller. He is a thrill, thrill-seeking junkie who just loves to have, no, loves to take chances. And he's taking a chance tonight going after the cruiserweight title. Probably would have been better to show this before he challenged Roderick Strong for the title last week. But uh, uh, anyway, MSK, thank goodness they are finally being showcased on NXT 2.0 because they are the personification of what should be the NXT 2.0 tag team champions. They come down, they get interviewed by uh, Samantha Irvin. She's, uh, uh, they talk about being champs for a while. They keep going to keep smoking the division. And then out come the grizzled young veterans. Um, they say, you know, you haven't beaten anyone. We still want our two-on-two title shot. And as, uh, you know, as Zach's going through his usual spiel, out comes Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams to interrupt. Carmelo says, I am mellow in the chocolate factory. I've got the golden ticket after winning that breakout tournament. So maybe the two of them are going to go after their tag titles. And they, uh, they jaw jack a little bit. And I just love Zach Gibson's line. Are you ill? Which is just, I don't know why that popped me so much. Uh, he basically says, look, if you want to go after the tag titles, that's fine. But um, the line starts behind the grizzled young veterans. He's not happy about everyone talking in riddles. MSK does exactly that. They're, they're fine with whoever they want to face. Uh, when out comes Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, they were about to have some beers in the back, like bloody lads. And then they hear people talking about the tag <laughs> titles. They went want in on this. Uh, and Trick, with another brilliant line, Calls him. I know we don't like the uh, Godzilla-looking ass stuff from Seth Rollins, but him calling one of them a Cardinal Joe-looking ass got me. Good line, that. And uh, 
one of Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. I, I think it was Brooks Jensen, if I'm honest, but I'm, I, I can't. I can't tell. Never tell. No. Uh, he says, uh, basically, he promised himself when he woke up this morning, the first person who looked at him funny was going to get chinned. And that's exactly what happened. Big ball breaks out. Uh, eventually, MSK, the one standing tall and holding up the titles. Hamlet, all yours. Um, the eight-man tag will probably be fine. Don't get your hopes up for the Grizzled Young Vets. Did you not just watch the only Larkins squash? Uh, I can't wait for uh, Josh Briggs. Nah, it's going to be uh, Josh Briggs and Briggs Joshson smashing them in four minutes next week. Um, once the eight man tags out the way, I love Trick Williams, and I think it's interesting that you isolate the Cotton Eye Joe line because it's canny rubbish. But like proper stars get like elevate terrible material, and he's elevating everything that he's been given so far. Considering that his introduction was like, "We've been friends for years. You not been watching?" Like uh, that was <laughs> that was a pretty lousy start to life, and like they were one of the best things about that wild night of debuts. Um, he feels like a star. As we'd said before the relaunch, MSK felt like one of the few acts that actually could travel over to the brand, and instantly they they felt like they did. Um, I didn't hate any of this. The closest thing I came to hating was the idea of Josh Briggs and Briggs Josh dropping their beers at the at here in tag team discussion table. What we gotta go? Like they're a couple of fucking losers. Like these are just terrible, and they're gonna eventually be like this bland, boring tag team champion act. You can like MSK are great now, but the order goes: MSK lose to some big heels, big heels lose to these two, and they stink. But like as it otherwise, as it was, I thought this was pretty fun. This is rubbish. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible promo train. MSK looked like absolute dogs. Just they're the biggest geeks on this roster, possibly, which is suboptimal considering there's no one cool on it. They came off like geeks. The interruptions were terrible. It was the whole contrived thing that you could pop some of the best zingers I've ever heard in my life, and I'm still going to think, well, the format of this segment leaks. Crystal Young Veterans, some of the things they were saying were probably capital N, capital O, not on. And uh, it built to a match. I just love the idea of like there's certain things that are funny to just do as a thing. Chuck Williams, God, being here. Von Wagner, Kyle O'Reilly, we go way back. <laughs> things are funny not they're, they're insulting if you can be honest I can't but the idea of like the big beer drinking buddies here to save the day your favourite psycho I don't realise last week like you know what I mean like they're trying to be like you can't you have to be careful of like an everyman character because you have to get like some men to bond with them first and then it gets over it's like hey we just we're the everyman <laughs> and you like us because we drink beer it's like I discovered this was a character trait like about five days ago. Like watching the original NXT when the post saps were sent out there, like Ryback or something, going out and going whatever the frig he said, like, bowdy hoo hoo. I was expecting an, an arena to cheer for him. Like, oh, we've been saying that for years. We love him. We love this bit he does. I've never done it ever. Uh, so we get a backstage interview with Raquel Gonzalez ahead of a title match later on. Uh, she says, look, Monet's talented. She's going to end up like everyone else. In comes toxic attraction. And Mandy Rose stops to say, oh, that tie looks good on, on you. Look better on me. Because I'm hot. Get it? I'm sexy. And then we go to our first title match of the night. It is the uh, Women's Tag Team Championships on the line. Zoe Stark, Io Shirai defending against Gigi Dolin and JC Jane. Um, 
Interesting back and forth action to start it all off. Uh, eventually, Gigi Dolin comes in. Stark gets hit with a PK, gets a near fall off the back of that. Stark fights back, hits her with a lariat. And then uh, Stark and Shirai hit their opponents with springboard drop kicks. Dolin blocks Shirai's dive, hits her with a forearm. So then Stark dives onto Dane, uh, Jane. Dolin hits Stark with a top rope cannibal. And Shirai comes off the top with a triangle moonsault onto all of them, basically. Um, later on, we have Io Shirai putting Gigi Dolin and JC Jane in a crossface at the same time, like that. Stark's in, she gets knocked into the corner though. Uh, Shirai has to come in and clean house. She hits a 619 springboard missile, missile drop kick for a near fall on Gigi Dolin. Mandy Rose is panicking out on the floor. Everything sort of breaks down. Uh, Zoe Stark hits her GTS on uh, Jane and tags in her tag team partner. Uh, Stark, in the meantime, dives onto Gigi Dolin so she can't break up the pinfall. Io Shirai hits that moonsault of hers for the victory. Um, what did you make of the tag match, Michael Sidgwick? It was a pretty good latter-day NXT 1.0 match in which various cool moves were performed at a reasonably brisk pace, competently in a way that I will never remember it actually happening, never resonated on an emotional level. Um, it was not so well worked or spectacular that it becomes like a hidden gem. It was a gentleman's three. Yeah, so not to like completely echo that take because end of the old NXT was exactly how I felt about this. I'll, I'll just add that I don't, I cannot work out why they presented this match the way it was. Like, why was this agented for, ultimately, like, the champions to gobble up um, Toxic Attraction? There was no real takeaways that I can remember now, mere hours after I watched the match, that made me think that Toxic Attraction are going to continue to be the most dominant force in NXT. <laughs> like, there was, no, there was nothing in this match. And that, like, if nothing else, even if you're going to have the champions retain, um, if nothing else, is that not what this exists to do? Like... You know, we're going to have what we're going to have with Mandy Rose later on. We've already had a bit of it in the promo beforehand. And this idea last week that they're going to come in and they're not going to piss around. They're just going to get all the belts because they're the best. <laughs> Fulfill the prophecy, as Cedric put it. Like, it's um, it's supposed to, therefore, present them as, like, even in defeat, it's supposed to present them as the team you need to be looking out for. I'd never want to see them again now. Like, you've just raced through a six-month-long story of them getting the title shot and eventually getting the belts. I've seen it. I've seen it in a week. Like, bang average in the build-up, bang average in the match, didn't stand out remotely. Act, the act's dead. Like, it's only toxic because it's poisoned them and they're dead. I mean, like, I could not fathom for the life of me why the match was laid out like this. It felt like, it felt very much like a Triple H NXT autopilot match, but that was the last thing this, like, these four needed. It's so odd. Like, they can't book. They, you were told overtly they are the most dominant force or they're going to be the most dominant force and he beat them. What? <laughs> what? What's left after this? As Hafa points out, whatever is left, it's not going to be like informed or enhanced by this. What on earth was this? <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Well, what followed was a brilliant vignette from Brian Marie Curry. He talks about being high energy, high intensity, high impact. And he felt like he'd been shot out of a cannon over the last couple of weeks. He says, I'm trash talking. My veins are bulging. My heart rate's off the charts when I'm in the ring. Talks about being a white knuckle thrill ride. He says, look, there's a locker room here full of studs, but I'm here to whip some ass. And he says, if that's harsh, I don't give a sh." You want a friend? Go get a dog. And he wants the NXT championship. He wants to go after Tommaso Ciampa and be the champion. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa immediately responds to this as a FaceTime call with him. He says, look, Bron Breaker is incredibly talented, but hey, let's hold off on the Hall of Fame induction for now. It took him over 900 days to get Goldie back, uh, and he never lost it, let's not forget. He says, look, we will face each other one day. When that happens, though, Bron Breaker, Breaker is going to drown in an ocean of inexperience. What I loved about this, right? The nice thing out the way, um, I pointed out earlier that stars can transcend bad material. Bron Breaker did that here because his personality like, radiated well beyond this absolutely rubbish copy. I can only presume that some very enthusiastic writer went long doing Grace Moller stuff because heart rate, white knuckle thrill ride. I, I saw that earlier in the night. <laughs> Coffee. Um, Hamfield know this pain all too well. Regrettably, like even about three or four years ago, if you read something you used to do, you'd think, you pretentious t- sod. <laughs> thought that red grade, didn't you? That wordplay, great. And you'll go back and read articles or you'll just remember something like in your formative years as a writer where you're trying to impress and you're trying obviously way too hard to impress with all this wordplay. And I did it in my 2016 run at War Culture, like something, I, for whatever reason, I was reading something I did. I thought, how on earth have I written these words? Remember when we guested on Wrestle Culture and Phil did a quiz and he went deep into the back of our archives and there was that Michael Scott meme going, no, 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 no. I didn't uh, want him to like, he was going to ask us questions about our own list. I was like, how far back are we going? Is it last week? Because that's just about fine. I don't hate that yeah. yet. <laughs> like the... You will drown in an ocean of inexperience. <laughs> it's something I would have written at 17 years old in, in an e-fed and thought the coolest <laughs> thing. <laughs> 
What's an inexperienced ocean? They've been around a while. What would you say is the most inexperienced ocean, if you had to pick one? Well, it would have formed millions of years ago. They've been around a while. <laughs> yeah, but Bron Breaker was, I mean, he's full Steiner here, wasn't he? The Pacific? Yeah. No, the Atlantic, because America's the newest country, or one of the newest, <laughs> one of the newest big countries. Yeah. But yeah, what do you reckon to uh, Rex Steiner here? <laughs> um, I like this dialogue, obviously terrible. A bit of earnest praise for this match. They have arrived with uh, one match that I honestly think when it comes around, people are going to be, I say people, the people that are watching this show, the people that are listening to this podcast, us as reviews of the show, are going to be genuinely interested in the result of, the quality of, and the stakes. It's pretty much the only thing that you can like earnestly praise as a wrestling fan on the show because the good is only ever uh, good and really we're taking a piss out of a lot, like taking a piss out of a lot of the stuff. This Braun Breaker Tommaso Champa match is NXT 2.0's first project that I think you can on balance call like a success story. Say like four weeks' time they promote this, it's gonna feel like a big deal. Like fair play to them, because it's totally out of nowhere. Then we got uh, Andre Chase facing off with Boa and uh, Tian Shaw was there at ringside. Uh, I did like, they did all the, you know, Dragon Lady entrance with Boa and stuff. And Andre Chase, who's a unique character, walks down doing the whole university professor thing and just looks at Tian Shaw and goes, waves his hand in front of her face. What the bloody hell's going on with this one? Um <laughs> what are you doing in the center of the ring? What's this? A wrestling ring? I'm a teacher. What, was it? What's, <laughs> Megan, what are these people? Fans? Why are they not at the desks? Um, he uh, he does dominate uh, Boa quite early on. Uh, suplexes him, stomps on him, puts him in a chin lock, says he's got a lot to learn. But then Boa fires up, kicks Andre Chase to the outside, takes the referee. Andre Chase gets smoked by uh, Mia Yee. <laughs> And uh, he comes back in to get hit with Boa's finisher and lose. And he was going to rant about it a little bit later on. But the Dragon Lady helps with the victory yet again, Hamlet. Well, this wasn't for Boa, though, was it? Um, at least he certainly wasn't wrestling like it was because he wasn't exactly maximising those few minutes that he got. This is an Andre Chase loser's story. Um, and they were they basically just enjoyed almost mocking one of Triple H's old gimmicks as a way to get one of their newest losers over. I mean, they're building up a guy to lose to Odyssey Jones. That's the story of the match. And the idea is it's going to be cathartic because this guy's like a brain jackass. He believes he's intellectually superior or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bad television show. It's an absolutely <laughs> terrible television show. Uh pathetic. An absolutely pathetic act. A relic of the old NXT. And even then it was like, oh, he's not trying to overcorrect your boring show with some bollocks. And the the bollocks has now become boring. I miss Lee, man. Uh, Where has she gone? Yeah. Oh, where's half of them gone? Dakota Kai, etc. But still, Aaliyah, people like that. Uh, right, we go back on the honeymoon. Johnny Gargano's concerned about what's going down with Index. So he sneaks into the hotel room, tricking uh, a maid, saying that he lost his key. It's like security around it sucks. Uh, gets in there, he's going through the stuff, and then he finds a whole bunch of Johnnies. They're just a massive 20 odd condoms in, uh, in Dexter's luggage. And he hears that Index are coming back. So he panics and hides in the cupboard. 
And then uh, Indy comes in, dives on the bed, and she says, oh, I don't know what you want, Dexter. And then they have a pillow fight. But Johnny can't can't see it. So he, all he can hear is her saying, oh, yeah, I know what you like. Oh, harder. Throw another bloody shrimp on my barbies. You know, that sort of thing. And... <laughs> And his eyes widen. Eventually, they're, they're exhausted. They fall to sleep. And Johnny Gargano sees his opportunity to sneak out. As he's doing so, though, Dexter's eyes suddenly open. He looks at him. He gives him the thumbs up. And he pulls out a whole another bunch of Johnnies. Huge bap. He's going to shag it like 50 times. He <laughs> <laughs> can go to the shop and get some more. That's the, that's the joke, isn't it? Is that a punchline? I'm going to have sex with my wife 50 times on <laughs> On my honeymoon, knowing full well that somebody's in the wardrobe watching, which to be fair, has got a rich tradition in pro wrestling. You're gonna watch. I love got like three years, three years of NXT, four maybe. Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny Champion, three weeks of 2.0, rubber Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, next title. Talk more about that. What? At the Johnny's. <laughs> safe sex. I don't know what, I don't know what you want from me. But like, what is the guy? That Dexter Loomis is the top shagger. Yeah. Great. Like, what's Johnny Gargano's problem? Why is he blocking the cat? I don't know. It's, it's not it's, blocking, it's, is it? It's just, just, it's just watching. Sheathing it. She thinks it's cat. This is legitimately one of the funniest things for the not the reasons they want it to be funny. This I, I told you it was going to be in the mud. There's a, an, an unused ending to what this bit where Johnny gets back to his hotel room and Candice is like, I'm, I'm leaving you. It's <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely woeful. Yeah, not great this. Um, but what was good was the Cruiserweight Championship match that came next. Roderick Strong versus Grayson Waller because it's Roderick Strong. You can always depend on him. Um, initially, uh, Grayson Waller jumps Roderick Strong because obviously he's got the diamond mine and he's anticipating him coming out. So Grayson Waller attacks him from behind and he hits this huge suicide dive to take us into the break. When we come back, though, Strong, understandably, is dominating. Uh, he fights back. He hits a backbreaker, puts him in the camel clutch. Eventually, that gets broken up. Uh, Grayson Waller gets suplexed, uh, but manages to block a superplex uh, attempt. He hits a huge uh, missile drop kick, sends him outside, big flipping dive. Uh, He gets a near fall, uh, hitting a flying elbow drop off the second rope. And he hits him with a hit strong with a handstand roundhouse kick and a huge tope as well. But in the end, oh, before that, actually, Waller hits a brilliant rolling thunder stunner on Roderick Strong for a great near fall, but uh, Strong suddenly catches him with a high knee for the victory. Best match this, wasn't it, Hamlet? It was, yeah. Um, it was probably, I think it made them like the most of a, a short amount of time, which I know I like to talk about times in these shows, but it's really important because now it should be going like 10 to 15 at the moment, and this didn't. You know, you've got people that are like too inexperienced for that anyway. Why expose them? This didn't expose Grayson Waller at all. Roderick Strong got to do more cool stuff than I anticipated. I thought... What made his matches thrilling would be scaled all the way back. But I guess when you're wrestling a thrill junkie, you're allowed. Um, so I got quite a lot out of this. If if I was going to be critical of the booking, and it does feel pointless at this point because everything's quite badly booked on this show. Grayson Waller was good enough in flashes here that I almost found myself a bit confused why he was put in this position right now. 
because you've pretty much now got you've done vignettes. You've had him wrestle like just about meet Roderick Strong's level, if only to fall short at the end. You've now got to send him all the way to the back of a line and give him now to do for a bit because he can't really, well, he can, it's WWE, but he can't really chase for this title again. So in hindsight, I was left sort of thinking, oh, maybe maybe Waller was one of those guys that you start building, that you start having be a Roderick Strong opponent in the same way that Bron Breaker's a Tommaso Ciampa opponent instead of just doing it here. Too late, lost that, never mind. Good though. Well, Ember Moon was working 205 Live in the week, so it's not exactly a long line of main <laughs> contenders. Like, legitimately isn't. It's like NXT Dark at this point, 205 Live. There's no cruiserweight division of which to speak. Um, ah, being facetious, I know exactly what Hamlet's saying. Grayson Waller. Here's the thing about wrestling in, 2021, in wrestling in 2021. I've made this point several times. Great athleticism has become boring because it's become so prevalent. Like you can use any analogy you want, but I'm I love a Big Mac, me. So I probably could eat a Big Mac every day and not get bored. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And yet, it was genuinely the bits where I was like, if you can actually learn to tell a story and put it all together, like you've got an actual grace in like propulsion yeah. your movements. Where I was thinking, Jesus Christ, like the Rolling Thunder into the cars. Like, how the hell did he get in the ring from there? Like, it's not often I get genuinely wowed by a great wrestling athlete. But I did get it here. And now that I've set off, he puts it all together. Maybe that's the Minoru Suzuki famous quote, a grey lumping, grey, boring lump of trash. Just let him be like this idiot jock meathead. <laughs> they won't still try and get him to do promos and like transition holds and all the rest of it. But if he's going to be like a dumb jock energy wrestler, great. I enjoyed this a lot. LA Knight was backstage. He was uh, being interviewed about challenging Odyssey Jones to a match next week. He said, look, I'm not a punk. I'm the uncrowned NXT champion. He says, look, Odyssey Jones says one week to learn a hard lesson. Uh, Odyssey Jones, though, sneaked up behind him. I love Odyssey Jones. Uh, He said, you haven't seen anyone like me in the ring. And then in the midst of all this, Andre Chase flies through, calling his last, uh, last match and the result BS. And this allows uh, LA Knight to use this distraction to attack Odyssey Jones and leave him lying. I really like Odyssey Jones. I hope they might do big things with him here in NXT. Absolutely. I don't think the segment did much from. If I'm being honest, you've got to get the heat, but maybe in a way that don't, doesn't make him look like an idiot. I don't know. I was, just, I was getting a bit bored at this point. I'd seen something earnestly good just before, so mm. I just wasn't in the right mind frame for NXT 2.0. What do you think, Hamlet? Much the same. I mean, he's beaten LA Knight next week, I guess. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something. Um, Andre Chase is the, the longer-term thing, but that, too, should be a, like a squash. It's how entertaining they can make that squash, ultimately. Andre Chase is already a loser, so they've they've knackered it. There's no drama in the idea that Jones is going to destroy Andre Chase. It's how how much they can make you want to see that destruction come the time. That's, that's the challenge they've got to set themselves, because so far it's not a lot. Cheers to us. Uh, right, we have a little vignette about Dante Chen. He's the spirit of Singapore. He says his journey's just begun. And then we get Cora Jade being interviewed. She's got a match next week. She's flanked by her boyfriend, the loser, Trey Baxter. Um, she says, look, she's only 20 years old and she's excited to, to get started here in NXT and it uh, potentially even eventually become the generation of Jade. And Baxter tells her that she's going to do great. Just <laughs> do what he did. And there's a nice peck on the lips when this segment... Don't be a complete loser like me. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I just get the cape. I'm ready for the cape now. Actually, you know what? I want to build the cape. I want to build the little eye mask. I want to, I want to build it. Build and build and build and build and build. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna peek. And then she goes the other way, and she's like, "Trey, will you stop pretending you've got powers? <laughs> <laughs> That's the job of the police." Uh, once again, we go to the comment section for this. Uh, I looked in the comment section of the YouTube well, video. Once again, this is NXT 2.2, but you never uh, do this on the NXT review. Well, I just had a look. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't skip past this. Once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Dudley Boys, or anyone on What Culture Wrestling. Sam Crow writes, wait, these two are dating? Seriously? Cora is way out of Trey's league. How the hell did he get her exactly? Dude's either got the greatest personality on earth or he's packing some huge junk. I'm not going to talk about this relationship being a thing. Even that illusion sounds bad. Like, ah, just move on. Let's move on to Lashing Out, <laughs> Lash Legends. Uh, it's a talk show. She's sat, sat on a stage. She's got a drink next to her and she's running through the events of the week, basically. Uh, she talks about the WWE draft. Uh, she mentioned her college basketball career, a rebounding record, uh, getting drafted into the WNBA. Uh, she mentioned about Cora Jade and, and Trey Baxter there. And she said, Jade needs a real man like this guy. Put up a great picture of Ikeman Giro. Uh, and she said, the lash out of the week is Andre Chase, that Pee Wee Herman lookalike. This is a bit rubbish. The material is a bit rubbish. I'm going to mourn this show when the characters are actually, in WWE speak, they won't actually get developed or fleshed out. Once they become familiar and you know them and they start referencing things that are no longer inexplicable, like things that have actually happened, right, that we're aware of. I'm going to miss this because someone we've just been introduced <laughs> to, right, someone we've just been introduced to, like giving you the old elbow on the side as if, like, he's familiar with you. <laughs> just met going, God, what about them two kissing, huh? As if to say, who would have expected that two or three years ago when they were in different storylines and like, <laughs> who would have thought we'd arrive at this? It's like, well, obviously not me. This is all brand new information. <laughs> I love it, man. I like, it's like, you can sort of hear Vic Joseph saying something like, well, we know Lash Legend says what she thinks, do we? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> never come up i love it i love this this is so great what they should do and i don't want anyone to lose their jobs but for the sake of physician's, physician's joke fire everyone in monthly cycles and then just do <laughs> 0.0 4.0 5.0 6.0 7.0 and just do this magic stuff again hey you who? <laughs> what do you think <laughs> this thing? i don't know <laughs> we all know oh, that too right do we I also like the fact that they're like, we're going to do a big edgier product here in NXT. And when it cut back from Cora Jade and thingy having a kiss, Wade Barrett goes, like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I really am not, not on board with Beth Phoenix right now. I do not like her on commentary. She tries very hard. I mean, yes. That's the problem. But she tries very hard. Oh, God. It's been a tough week. Give Wade Barrett a bit of a break, can we? It's been a tough week. He was watching Rampage, and he's like, what the? Did they just call Adam Cole's finisher? <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, right. He just he stands there at home, he flips his jacket off like he's in his entrance. <laughs> it's time for Rich Bloody Holland uh, versus Cool Kyle O'Reilly. He's not, he's not cool anymore. Do you know what I realised? We did the preview yesterday and I went, oh yeah, Kyle O'Reilly came back and jumped Rich Holland last week. We probably should have mentioned that. Yeah, that'd be all right. Because we knew exactly <laughs> what was going to happen here. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly attacks Rich Bloody Holland during his entrance. What I didn't get was he attacks Rich Bloody Holland as he's doing the big smoky entrance. We can see that Pete Dunne is with him. And then later on, they're like, oh, my God, Pete Dunne's here at ringside. And I was like, why wasn't he there the whole time? It, it doesn't matter. Nothing does. Yeah, they brawl at ringside. Eventually, when we come back from the break, Holland's got him his big bear hug. Uh, he's working on the ribs. Uh, hit a backbreaker to 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 really uh, put down Cardo Riley. Eventually fights back though. He hits a forearm dragon screw. He uh, hits a PK for a near fall. Uh, then Holland uses his power to hit a tilt oil slam for a two count. Power bombs him as well uh, for a two count. O'Reilly takes Holland down though. Chop block, axe kick. Pudun runs down to uh, cause a distraction. And uh, in the midst of all this, they cut the meeting of the minds with him and Rich Bully Holland. O'Reilly rolls up uh, Holland to get the victory, but immediately they attack O'Reilly after the match. But don't worry, everyone. Kyle O'Reilly's best mates on the scene. Van Wagner shows up to make the save, and we're probably going to get a tag match, aren't we, Sige? Yeah, that's what it's built towards. The match. Rich Holland has got one match. This was a Rich Holland match. That just this left no impression on me whatsoever. Um, I find his work quite drab. And that's uh, such a great show to talk about this because he was Taylor Pace. I had uh, that was a match. Solid, I think. I was barely watching it. Let's get to guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, these are two, well, one experienced head and a massive, muscly guy. What did you think of it, Amphlet? Um, Too drab for those descriptions for me, this was. Um, Kylo Rollup getting a win like this. I was critical of it on Rampage, where you just have the win and then you immediately go with a roll-up or a cradle, you immediately go into a beatdown afterwards that undermines it. It's just as cheap, even if you're dressing it up as something else. But, like, the way that they're already positioning Kylo Riley, that he's not, he's not remotely in... Bron Breaker's league, is he? He's not going to be fighting Tommaso Champ for the NXT title. So obviously, he's going to be fighting for the Cruiserweight title. That's the that's the cue that Kyle O'Reilly can join. So what I'm curious about is, if before he has this match with complete stranger, Roderick Strong, he's going to be backstage with his old friend, Von Wagner, talking about how he's going to get to <laughs> That's what I want to know. I wonder if we're going to talk about that relationship backstage. So, I've never met Roderick Strong, but Von, I know you better than anybody. Right, it very much got to this point, and I was Simpsons. Where are they going to go to the fireworks factory? Yeah, I, was getting, I was getting actively pissed off. But thankfully, yeah, we need them worried. And now, and to be honest, we all three of us booked better scenarios than what they actually did because they just stayed at the docks. <laughs> yeah. Well, why waste more money? Um, so the guy who's meant to like have lots of it through illegitimate means. Well, he's, I'm sure uh, not. He's showing you around where the where they did the business in the docks. He says, uh, "These docks here, they represent the transfer of items. Already amazing. <laughs> <laughs> My friends and family, they've uh, benefited from some of the goods that may have, uh, let's just say, fallen off these docks. Hey, you didn't see nothing, okay? I'm, I'm adding, I'm adding a bit. Okay. He says uh, his cousin, what was? 
What's a good, uh, what's a good mafia? What's a good, what's a good, uh, what's one of the best uh, Sopranos cast members? <laughs> he says, my cousin Richie, hey, he owns the place, he's like a hawk. And he's always watching out for those. I'm, I'm claiming victory on this. I know I said schmuck, but I also said wise guys in my thing. So I'm, 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 I think I got closest with our, our fun game, the, uh, the Tony D'Angelo predictor. Uh, he says, uh, my cousin Richie, he owns the place. Eyes like a hawk. Always watching out for those wise guys. He says, huh, those guys want to take one or two off the top. Hey, ain't no problem, huh? But anything more than that, I get a call. They say, hey, Tony. We got a situation away. <laughs> he says, I show up. Let's just say, uh, long story short, that situation gets resolved and somebody's sleeping with the fishes. He says, uh, hey, what can I say? It's a family tradition. And you know what? The tradition is going to continue. He's coming next week. He better could have post-match promo. That's all I'm interested in. I've, I've got so many booking ideas for this, right? I already mentioned one to you in the office. Should we let Tony D'Angelo get the table? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but I think at the bare minimum, number one, I already mentioned this, his finisher should be the schmuck driver. Huh? Okay. Post-match, absolutely post-match promo. And after the match, pull out a 20, tuck it into the opponent's trunks and say, hey, make yourself something nice for Tony. Perfect. Again, no notes, Hamlet. I cannot wait. Like, for you, not for us, not for anybody else. It's a bit like in night one of NXT 2.0 oh, when this guy came on screen. I was like, oh, great. I'm friends with Adam Wilborn. This couldn't have gone better. <laughs> I cannot wait. Really. I came to NXT to get paid and I see a guy with an awful amount of money. Grimes, get your ass out of here. Tony D'Angelo and Cameron Grimes in week three of Tony D'Angelo's NXT 2.0 run is going to be yet more proof that they are booking this for you and you alone. <laughs> and and I'm in favour of it, obviously, because it's you I record a podcast with. I love this. Obviously, it's Tony D'Angelo. It's Tony D'Angelo. Seven stars every time. What's not to like, huh? What are you, a wise guy? Seven stars in the Tokyo Dax. <laughs> just looking, I've got the benefits sitting next to my esteemed colleague here. Do you know uh, some write-ups of this just said Tony D'Angelo is coming next week? Amateurs. He's got the full notes. Uh, he's got the scoops. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm looking through it, and it's like, my cousin Richie, he owns the place. Eyes like a hawk. What do you remember about Richie Aprilia? He had these terrifying eyes that themselves were more intimidating than any sort of weapon he might have wielded on his person. And I'm not quite sure. So the, the, they're just rewatching the Sopranos <laughs> wrestling character. That's great in itself. But they still can't help but get their stupid wordplay and their stupid weird scripting things. Like, and they just can't stop doing them. Yeah. These docs here represent the transfer of items. They don't represent them. Facilitate <laughs> <laughs> them. If, yeah. you to, if you want to say that, they don't represent the transfer of items. And like, even if in his head they do, it's a symbolism here. It's LTST. The transfer and the NXT dial. So my weight add. These people are so stupid in the show is short and the show is so funny. I love it. 
so much. Imagine if they have, you know, like, well, it's his first night in the promotion and his family are here to support him. Imagine if we get all the family. You got you got cousin Richie, you got Louie, you got all, oh, all Louis. just oh there's so much potential here. Like this is what I want the writers to be focusing on all next week. Stephanie McMahon to play Janice. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, before we get to the main event, the recap next week is going to be LA Knight versus Odyssey Jones, that eight-man tag, Cora, Jan, uh, Cora Jade's first match, of course. And yeah, they arrive with Donny D'Angelo. That's why it's going to pop a milli rating, because we are going to be tuning in. Huh? If you don't, you're a schmuck. Right, main event time. Raquel Gonzalez versus Frankie Monet with the resplendently dressed Robert Stone and Jesse Camille flanking her at ringside. Uh, initially, Monet gets in some offense. That's Gonzalez about a bit, but Gonzalez fights back using her power game. She hits a fall away slam. Uh, in the midst of all this, though, uh, Jesse Camille and Stone pull Monet out to the outside to give her a chance to recover. As Gonzalez goes after her, she gets pulled off the step. She sells her back. That was going to factor into the match throughout. Um, Monet hits some running knees to the back. Uh, she gets a suplex, gets a two count off the back of it. She puts her in a surfboard. Uh, she hits a curb stomp and she uh, eventually hits a Kamagoi knee and a high knee for another near fall. But Gonzalez fires back, hits her with lariats. She goes for a finisher, but her back gives out informed by what happened early on. Uh, Monet double stomps her. She gets a near fall. But Gonzalez fights back, hits that bomb of hers for the victory, but before Raquel Gonzalez really has time to celebrate retaining the NXT Women's Championship, who should come down? But toxic attraction, they attack Monet, they attack Camille, they attack Stone. Gonzalez is left alone in the ring. Barrett gets very excited as they surround the ring. He says this reminds him of Nexus, and they attack Gonzalez. She gets a belt shot in on one of them, but the numbers game catches up with her, and eventually Gigi Dolene and JC Jane hold Gonzalez in place to allow Mandy Rose to hit her with that running knee, Mandy Rose stands tall with the NXT Women's Championship as we go off the air. Toxic attraction making a statement, Ampler. Yeah, like uh, they're dominant and you can you'd be able to buy them as dominant. They've lost earlier in the show in the tag match. Again, I just think that booking is so perplexing if this was how they intended to end the show. I didn't think this, this match was bad, you know. Um, I think this was easily the best thing Frankie Monet has done on NXT, which is a huge compliment to Raquel Gonzalez, who herself hasn't really had that much to write home about since becoming champion. So um, I didn't love it or anything. I wasn't doing backflips, but I was surprised at how competent it was. And again, because it wasn't, it didn't like run any longer than it needed to. It never outstayed its welcome either. So a, a, like a fairly successful main event in a run of them on NXT 2.0, like on, on a show that was otherwise too slow and boring compared to the first two episodes. This was the main event that I thought they pitched just about right. Um, look, there's a commitment clearly there to like toxic attraction. Not really. Um, regardless, regardless of my complaints about them losing in the tag match earlier on, <laughs> earlier on this very show, um, there's a commitment to Mandy Rose as the leader of the group. They're ending the show with them. It's almost certain that Rose is probably going to beat Gonzalez as well. Um, so I, I, I'm not excited by it, but like they're plowing forward with it regardless. So maybe Mandy, like maybe Mandy Rose and Raka Gonzalez will be half decent because this was, this was exactly that. This was half decent. I thought it was mediocre personally. And I was on the hook a little bit because at the start, when Monet slapped the piss out of Gonzalez's face, I got like a brief sort of, I was drawn in. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, don't do that. She'll kill you. And I didn't really kill her that well. Like, so I thought, all right, might as well have done that. <laughs> Look, it was, it was, uh, like a condescending prick. Well, I did well. Didn't, didn't really do well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't actively bad. That I didn't think was particularly great either. And, and my thoughts. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, I'm intrigued to see how they, like you say, how they sell toxic attraction going from failing miserably to win the tag titles. But I suppose Mandy Rose with these two thorns alongside her can maybe just eke out something against Raquel Gonzalez. We'll see what happens. But next week, I cannot wait for. And that's that's the key thing here. Uh, the best show of the week is done. We have got AW Dynamite, I suppose, to talk about a little bit later on. But, you know, it's never stop. Let us know your thoughts on NXT 2.0. Oh! We're at What Culture WWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. As I mentioned, our AEW Dynamite preview coming later on today. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 pre uh, review. My thanks to the Dally Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Oh, planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.